Hey, what's up everybody and welcome back to That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host Michael and this episode is Q&A number 43 and uh, it is my great pleasure to once again have done a Q&A episode co-hosted with scientific triathlon coach James Teagle. We have two really good, really interesting questions that we'll go into today. First on weight management and weight gain during Ironman training and what it might uh, be related to. And also about swim training and uh, the amount of intensity in traditional swim training programs. And we'll get right into them after thanking our sponsors. First, big thanks to Precision Hydration that you can find on precisionhydration.com. They have a free online sweat test. If you haven't taken it already, be sure to go and do it. It's very simple. You'll just answer 10 simple questions in an online quiz, and that will give you a good ballpark estimate for your individual sweat rate and sweat sodium content, so that you can, and then that will give you a guide for how you should hydrate, what amount of electrolytes might be appropriate for you in your next race, and especially if you are going to race in longer races or hot temperature races, then that can be really critical. Be sure to give them a try. You can try your first box or tube of Precision Hydration Electrolyte product for free with the promo code that Triathlon Show, all one word, all caps. And a big thanks to Roka that you can find on roka.com. Roka are the leaders in wetsuits, trisuits, apparel and high-performance eyewear. And the eyewear side of things is something that has been growing over the last couple of years in particular... The main reason for the really fast growth rate in the eyewear segment for Roka has been the the amount of innovation that they put into it and really the quality of the eyewear. They're really revolutionizing that uh, that segment of the market with things like the anti-slip technology. Uh, there's uh, a funny commercial if you go to roka.com that you can see with people trying to shake their heads in, in all sorts of ways to try to get their glasses to fall off and it's just impossible. They have support, superb optics, of course, in all their glasses. And uh, more recently, Roka started with uh, with performance sunglasses for cycling and triathlon endurance sports in general. Then followed more casual streetwear sunglasses, I, I guess you'd call it. And uh, most recently, Roka has actually entered the prescription glasses uh, sector as well. So uh, they do that as well, which is uh, really, really amazing. They have customizable options, home try-on options. Uh, so go to roka.com and check it out. Of course, today I talked about the eyewear segment, but uh, you can read all about their wetsuits and swim skins and whatever you're interested in there as well. And if you order anything, be sure to use the promo code TTS, all caps, to get 20% off your entire order. All right, here's the Q&A with Coach James Teagle. So today's first question that we have here is, uh, if you are uh, gaining weight, fat and not muscle, uh, during the tri- triathlon season, what steps would you take to diagnose uh, the cause of the problem? Should I be systematically doing experiments with uh, different macros and nutrition? Should I be getting met- metabolic testing? How do I know if it's from overtraining? And my backstory is I have three seasons of triathlon under my belt and all three seasons I have gained about 10 pounds of mostly fat and then dieted to lose that weight after the race season ends. This is getting so old. I have always logged my food on my fitness pal and I'm very diligent about my macros, getting about 50% carbs, 30% fats, 20% protein and getting enough calories in during all my workouts. 
Currently, I am training 15 to 20 hours a week for my second Ironman, and I'm so depressed I have already gained back all the weight I struggled to lose after my last Ironman. Interestingly, last year, I trained myself on a lower volume, higher intensity program and still had the same problem. I have listened to all your episodes on nutrition, and my gut is well-trained. Uh, the professionals, a coach and nutritionist I work with, are hesitant to tell me that I should be eating less, which is understandable, given that most triathletes struggle to eat enough and women are more susceptible to stress fractures and hormonal issues from inadequate caloric intake. My menstrual cycle and blood work are all normal. And this question comes from Lauren in Maryland. So, uh, James, uh, what uh, what do you think about this? Well, I think, you know, before we start, we've got to, we've got to add a few caveats in here. Obviously, um, you know, be careful with anything nutrition-wise, you know, have a sensible approach. Don't take anything too extreme, uh, especially, you know, just from listening to this. Obviously, we're not trying to diagnose anything uh, over over one podcast. I'd say, you know, just, just being careful. I mean, we don't know how much Lauren, Lauren weighs already. Um, and I'm not saying that, that she's, you know, uh, she's, this is an issue or, or, or something like that. I'm just saying that, you know, if Lauren's tiny already and then adding on, you know, 10 pounds, um, you know, maybe she's just getting back to normal race weight. I mean, obviously that, that doesn't sound like what's happening, but that, that could be happening. Um, but yeah, let me, let me try and uh, answer the question. So, um, my, my, uh, my initial response when I saw this question was, it's probably due to when you're actually taking in your timing and taking in your food and actually the, the timing around that. So, uh, going back to an example, in you know in from my background uh in triathlon uh a couple of years ago uh in the squad i was with we were having a few issues with with bone bone health and you know people getting a few stress fractures and bone injuries and one of the reasons behind that could have been a uh, calorie deficit so uh we nutritionists went and looked back at everyone's calories uh what they were eating and where they were eating and what they essentially came back with was two things you're not eating enough and you're eating at the wrong times and obviously being being athletes we're being triathletes who were we're training a lot you were like well what do you mean i mean we're eating a lot of food um you know our weight isn't isn't uh, isn't going down if anything it's going up because we're on our off season uh, and what they came back and said was you know essentially yes we understand what you're doing but but what you're doing is you're teaching your body to survive and not thrive so you're teaching your body you know you're not giving it enough food and when it does get food it's storing it as fat because it, it's trying to survive for next time so if this happens again it's trying to it make sure it has the energy to to go again next time. So, if you think about that in in a you know a really basic way, you're basically dieting. So when, when you're when you're when you're training, you're not having any food. You know you're, you're starving your body of, of energy, and you know then when a couple of hours later you have you know maybe maybe a big meal or something like that, and you get any calories in, um, essentially you're just you're just putting energy back into your body and your body is like well i've just been starved for for four or five hours and now i'm going to start putting it on again as fat just in case it happens again which stops you from you know putting that energy into rebuilding bones rebuilding muscle you know making the adaptations that, that you need from your training yeah and, and that's hardwired into into our genetic code from from an evolutionary perspective it's that feast and famine uh, approach that uh, that our bodies have have learned to deal with over thousands of years when when food has been harder to come by uh, in previous times and uh, and we basically have had to develop the the skill i guess to to store food as fat and and survive on it for a long time because we don't know when we're getting the next meal and as you say 
and even potentially if you are getting in calories during the workout you you might still be in in if it's a big workout in such a big caloric deficit and and especially if you're then not diligent on getting food immediately after that workout so so you're you're extending that window when you are in a big caloric deficit then uh, then that potentially could be an issue and as you exactly as you say the body is, is just simply trying to survive not not thrive and uh, and storing it as fat so yeah i think that 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 is potentially a a reason here definitely something worth worth looking into the timing aspect also i was going to say did what uh, i know you had some different thoughts michael so i was just going to try and lead it lead into you for you yeah 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 so so it's it's essentially leading to the same issue here with uh, storing food as fat and and surviving the body surviving not thriving and and but it's training related here that was uh, something that i thought of as well that potentially if you are training if you are overtraining and you you are asking that how do i know if it's from overtraining uh if you are overtraining then potentially you you are in such a big uh, like stress stressed state at all times you're in uh, you're you're experiencing parasympathetic shutdown and or sympathetic overdrive so you're constantly in that uh, fight and flight uh response mode and that's that's where again the same thing might happen that you're you're storing uh, all the all the food that you're taking in as fat and you're not using it to build muscle and and restore glycogen it's uh, just getting put into those survival stores yeah i mean yeah i mean that's that makes complete perfect sense to me um one of the things that you know again I'm, I'm hesitant to say but you know it could be an issue is are you overestimating the calories you're burning in exercise so you know unless you're being really diligent around you know actually making sure you're using a consistent uh, devices so using heart rate using power to, to estimate the calories burn exercise there is a possibility that uh, your, your devices are, are overestimating how many calories you're burning i'm not saying that's gonna be the case for for everyone and you know i'm not saying it's the case for lauren but you know from my experience you know if you go and do an exercise without without heart rate or or power just look at look at the calories you burn and then compare it to, to exercise you know, of similar intensity and similar duration where you did use both and what you'll find is you know the calories estimates you burn are a lot higher um you know obviously not many athletes are going to be doing that especially listen to this you know most athletes will be using the hardware and power but that's something to, to bear in mind uh you know especially from experience of looking at that and then using things like my fitness pal uh to try and work out your um your calorific uh, deficit or you know, how many calories you need to eat to to um, lose so much weight or put on so much weight uh, obviously that's going to have a big, big impact if you're estimating those calories you burnt wrong yeah, with my fitness pal, I think it's uh, it's a great tool, and uh, you say that you are very diligent uh, about uh, using it, and so you probably have a very good handle on it. I just think that I've used it quite a bit uh, for using it every now and then for a few days to uh, just get uh, get an idea of where I am uh, and uh, and try to just keep keep in touch with how much I'm eating, and and I guess what what I found is that it's very easy to to underestimate how many calories you are taking in uh, just because you need to measure really everything because all the small things add up and it gets really tedious which is why i never use my fitness pal more than two or three days consecutively really uh, because it takes so much time to actually track all the things that you're putting in there but if you're like not measuring those small things like a, a little bit of condiment on your food and uh, whatever you're putting in a re- any recipe that you are making like you're skipping those things that don't seem to make a difference they actually do when when you start to make the comparison what what would your caloric intake be if you were to add in those those small things 
compared to when when you're not so so i think that's another thing to consider like how accurately are you actually tracking using uh, using my fitness pal and if you're not tracking it very accurately but you're using it to guide how much you're eating then then perhaps it might be even better to to try to not use my fitness pal for a while and and try to just go more based on timing so so eating after you're working out and also and just using hunger cues to to make sure that you get enough and and see how that compares yeah yeah for sure i mean is there anything else i mean that that covers it for me i mean you gotta be careful around nutrition um advice over the internet but that that covers that covers it for me on that question um i think we covered up pretty well i mean is there anything else you want to add in michael yeah i'm just going looking back at the actual question to see if we if we covered it so so does the questions that Lauren asks here are what steps would you take to diagnose the cause of the problem? Well, she is working with a nutritionist. That's great. And, and also the coach that says that they're both hesitant to say that you should be eating less. Yeah, definitely. That's not something that we're, we're saying here either uh, because we don't know your size. I think definitely one thing that you touched upon earlier that we should perhaps get, uh, get into a bit more is that uh, your 10 pounds heavier weight might be your ideal weight and your 10 pounds lighter weight during your off season might be something that is way too light for you and you didn't mention anything about body fat percentage or anything like that but that should definitely be something that you consider like are you actually getting way too lean when when you're trying to diet in in the off season and those 10 pounds that you gain is actually your your best weight where you are thriving yeah i mean uh, you know, it makes. I mean, obviously, we don't know. I mean, it could be, it could not be the case. But um, yeah, I mean, if you're dieting down to to ridiculously tiny size in in your off season, and then uh, you know, going through going through all the motions of training, and then you know, actually, when you when you get into race season, you know, all you're doing is just putting yourself back to to normal normal race weight. Then you know, maybe maybe you should think about it. You know, actually, I don't need to lose this weight. But again, we we don't know because you haven't put any body fat percentages up here in that question. Um, but yeah, I mean. What's that? Ten pounds is you know four and a half kilograms. So it's it's not a massive amount. Uh, not a massive amount. You no, know, a fluctuation throughout a whole season. Obviously, usually what you'd see is you'd see people put on four or five kilograms or ten pounds in in the off season and lose it over the race season. Uh, but yeah, that might be something worth revisiting uh, for sure. So so Lauren, you might want to send uh, send us if you know your body fat percentage then. Uh, then you might send it in and we can we can just email uh email you back and forth a bit more uh, the other question here that she has uh, at the very beginning of the of the question is whether she should be systematically doing experiments with print macros and nutrition what do you think about that um well i think anything like that you're going to have to spend you know a reasonable amount of time with, with each experiment um so you know each of those things you know, it's, it's not going to happen quick, and because it's because it's dieting, and because it's it's a uh, you know how, what energy you're taking in, it, it's going to be a long term thing. So, yes, you probably should be experimenting to see what works with you to a certain extent. Um, you know, but whatever you do should should be well researched and should be well thought out. And you know, like you say, you should be working with a uh, nutritionist to, to help you do that, so you don't do anything you know, ridiculous and you don't you don't miss out any um, you know key nutrients or or you know some something that you definitely need in, in your diet. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you, if you're having problems and, you know, you're not happy with, with your performance or perhaps how you feel, or you think that, you know, potentially your diet is hindering you, then, then yes, you, you should probably should be having or experimenting with, with your diet. 
Uh, the other thing, the other thing I'd say is, you know, for most people in Northern Hemisphere, it's race season now. So now is probably not the right time to be doing that, just in case you, know, you do put yourself into a bit of a, a, a an energy hole, or um, or you know you really messed up your training and and you know put yourself back a, a few weeks uh, going into a key race. Um, so I'd, I'd definitely leave that kind of thing for the winter. You know, if if I was coaching you and if um, if if uh, if you were a Northern Hemisphere athlete, for sure. Yeah, and. Going back a little bit to that that question about whether she might actually be too light in the off season and and during race season she gets back to her ideal weight, sort of naturally the body swings back against and uh, against the unnatural change to a too light too light weight for her. There are plenty of examples in uh, in triathlon in professional triathlon where athletes have struggled for years and then they put on weight and they they come back and and perform great things i think uh maca chris mccormack is is one example he he came back significantly heavier and and won uh, the ironman that he had uh ironman the world championships that he he had been chasing chasing for a while but not really not really managing to to put it together and uh, i think somebody like pete jacobs had uh had same the same sort of uh, sort of thing so so actually they're like lighter is not always better uh, it might be that you are uh, again going back to that just sur- survival mode for the body uh, but also what you said there uh, with her working with the nutritionist i think that it really any of those experiments like if you have the luxury of having a nutritionist then then talk about it with the with the nutritionist for listeners that might be in a similar situation and don't work with a nutritionist uh, and if they are using my fitness pal or something like this what i would try to do is to uh, to experiment with more just intuitive eating using hunger cues uh, really being diligent with the timing as james pointed out and uh, and i might probably I, I would encourage listeners to to get matt fitzgerald's book the endurance diet as uh, the baseline because that's just a really good simple simple way of eating it's uh, not complicated it's uh, but it's it's good and healthy balanced so so that's the approach that i would take and he has this sort table called the diet quality score so you're really you're not measuring macros you're not measuring calories but you're just measuring like how much good healthy food you're getting in in a simple subjective slash objective uh, it's pretty objective i guess quality qualitative way so so that's that's a good starting point for for a little bit of self-experimentation and uh, and then she asks getting metabolic testing um uh, yeah, so I guess in this context, we're not talking about the VO2 max test, but we're probably talking about things like DEXA scans uh, or or things of that nature. What, what's your take on that? Um, well, obviously, that kind of thing will help diagnose, actually, so a DEXA scan will help diagnose what, what, what your body is made up of. Um, it probably won't help diagnose the problem, um, actually, you know, if, if it is an issue while you're putting on fat uh, instead of, you know, losing it. Um, the, so obviously, you know, you can use it to help track you, tra- help track you. But essentially, it's it acts, it acts kind of as a gold standard of of body composition, measuring body composition. Um, you know, so I wouldn't I wouldn't use it as you know, it's a very expensive method of doing that as well. I wouldn't use it as you know, purely you know, this is my my body weight now. You know, it's not something that you know for most athletes is reasonable to to do it every couple of weeks or, or so to 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 redo. So generally, I, I wouldn't be too worried about that i would just go back in you know have a look at some of the things that, that we've mentioned here today and you know try and try and um address them p- potentially uh obviously if you do a dexa scan then it will give you you know 
really really detailed analysis of of your body composition um and you know if you want to check that the results you've you've been getting for your body body fat are correct then then go for it um you know obviously you could do some kind of metabolic testing on actually how many calories you're burning per hour um that that might be quite useful but obviously it depends on the intensity of of exercise it depends you know what your thresholds are at the time and and what your weight is at the time so you know if if that moves on then then it's all going to be all going to be out yeah I, th- I think if she's as you mentioned before if she is using power and heart rate she already and she already gets a decent enough estimate of, of that so so I, I don't think that the extra accuracy of that is going to move the needle a lot uh yeah i, th- I think that if she if lauren is like uncertain of uh, whether she actually is getting uh getting on putting on too much weight during racing season or not so she isn't really sure then maybe a dexa scan might be a, a good idea to see if if she actually has a problem in the first place or if the problem really is losing the weight in the off season but other than that i agree that it might just be a bit of overkill and uh just a, a much cheaper and uh, an easier way to get started might be to just uh, get a a caliper a body cali- caliper from amazon that that way you can estimate your your body fat percentage pretty accurately and and uh, and that will help you as well diagnose whether whether you're actually at like a too high body fat percentage or if you are right in the range where you should be mm, yeah for sure yeah i completely agree with what you got with that and and the final question that she has here is uh, how how do i know if this is from overtraining so uh, yeah essentially how, how do i know if i overtrain well there'll be several you know there'll be several things that they give away overtraining it's uh you know the first is to look at look at your heart rate if your heart rate is you know consistently decreased then you know it's potential that you know you, you stress your body out a bit too much and um you know you are you are overtraining uh you know in in conjunction with with things like you know you're feeling really fatigued you know your mood your mood is is gone you you get you are, you know you you um you're getting angry at people for for no reason really um you know you're not hitting your sessions properly so you're no longer able to hit your thresholds or you know you're no, no longer able to hit that top end and you know this has been going on for a while because you know there's a difference between overtraining and, and overreaching um they're the kind of the kind of symptoms of of overtraining yeah i would say that that the the mood state that as you mentioned and getting angry at people that's a a big pretty big giveaway and there's uh i think you can find it uh, for free access online to to a questionnaire called the profile of mood states that's one of the best uh validated questionnaires and one of the best validated ways in of any category to actually diagnose overtraining if your profile of mood state score is is uh in a certain range then then you might be be at risk so so that's something that might be worth checking out all right and anything else we didn't cover with this or are we uh pretty much done i'm just rereading the question um no i don't think so i think i think we covered most of it without most of the question okay so uh lauren good luck and uh, hope that this helped the next question is from uh, paolo in italy who writes uh uh hello michael uh, i'm relatively new to the show uh so uh, forgive me if the topic has already been analyzed it has not it's a good question uh the question is to improve my triathlon swimming late in november i joined a swim program overall the structure of the workouts is kind of traditional with warm-up technique and drills main set uh three or four workouts per week one easy two hard sessions of so one easy session two hard sessions of 90 to 100 minutes and one additional session that is a mix between easy and hard. Compared to my previous experience, this is a significant increase in volume with 
5.5k per session. Uh, I assume that that is the the longer hard sessions at least, and an intensity as well. So 40% to 75% of the swimming here is done at 80 to 85% effort level. So this is the I guess subjective uh, RPE of the sessions. Uh, Paolo goes on to write, after listening to your podcast and reading the book about uh, the 80-20 approach to training, I started questioning the traditional swim approach. Is this way of training too intense or because swimming is a low impact sport, uh, are we able to sustain and uh, and recover faster after hard swim workouts? Then he has an example workout. I don't think we need to go into that in detail. It's just a hard, big workout. Uh, and then finally, he writes, since I joined this swim program, I changed a lot in my technique with great focus on stroke rate and open water skills. I noticed improvement in my swim times, both in the pool and in races, but I don't know if that's because I'm swimming more or because I swim better. You know, obviously, if you're swimming more, then you know you hope you are, you're getting better, especially if you're, you're um, you know, not used to swimming, you know, you're probably just getting the feel for the water, probably being, you know, you put your your progression has probably been quite quick because you know your technique is improving quite fast you know you're getting that you're getting that fitness in the water so so that that's potentially one of the reasons why you are getting better but then i wouldn't discount discount your swim program you know the uh the traditional approach to swimming definitely is you know not 80 20 it's definitely you know as me and michael were talking about as earlier you know it's definitely more like you know 60 70 percent uh aerobic and then you know 30 40 percent uh you know those harder efforts that higher intensity and you know that that's definitely the the traditional approach from from a triathlon swim perspective i think you've got to be careful of you know isolating single sport, sports when you're doing triathlon so uh actually putting into into a whole week and actually is is it 80 20 when i can buy my swimming my cycling and my running um and and then look at it that way but yeah for sure the, the intensity in swimming is generally is generally higher than than you would do in you know your two sessions running and your two sessions cycling per week um that said, you know, generally swim, swim sessions do have, swimming swim programs do have two higher intensity sessions uh, and, you know, the rest of it is, is easier swimming. Uh, but, you know, from my experience, especially, you know, actually going through going through the process, of, like, like you explained, is, you know, even those aerobic sessions are generally harder in terms of perceived exertion and, you know, definitely where they relate to thresholds than actually you know they would be comparatively in you know running so you know you might have two run sessions maybe a track session with some intervals and you know a tempo session um you know out in the hills or something and then you know the rest of the running would be maybe a long run which is you know aerobic and and some other some other runs in there which are also aerobic which you you know you generally don't get in swimming because um you know the swim the swim intensity is a bit higher um so yeah i mean it, it makes sense that that swimming should be should be 820 but but in in you no know, in reality it, it definitely isn't for for most swimmers because the traditional approach is is a lot more focused on on that intensity than you know and and when you say that and when you say that it generally isn't we're talking i guess mostly about triathlon swimming here because like pool swimmers they do so much swimming that they're probably closer to that 80 20 i don't know if they're actually quite there but but it's probably closer just because they do so much volume that a lot of it is easier I was gonna lead. I was gonna lead on to that. You took the words out of my mouth. So yeah, if, if you're a pool swimmer, then you know you could be swimming. You know, you know, fifty to eighty kilometers a week uh, of you know of swimming, and obviously not all of that is going to be an intensity. And yeah, you, like you say, it probably is more eight to twenty approach. You know, I myself come from a swim background, and you know, I definitely 
I could definitely say that it, it, it is. Uh, you do a lot more aerobic swimming. You know, you, things like your warm ups are built up more. You know, you'll have you'll have some technique, more technique uh, work in, in there. You know, spend a lot more time in that aerobic zones. Um, so yeah, for sure. Um, you know, the, the traditional swim approach is more eighty twenty. It's it's a question of whether or not you know triathlon swim programs are are too intense, and you know, I suppose it depends on on whether you're getting the most out of your program or not. I mean, if, if it's working for you and, and you are, you are getting better then the argument would be, well, well, why change something that, that's not broken? Uh, but then, you know, if you're finding that you're doing too much intensity, then, and, you know, you're not, you're not delivering your workouts, you know, you're not able to hit your thresholds, you're not able to hit the, you know, the top end speed when, when you need to do, uh, that kind of thing to, to stress out your technique, uh, that, that kind of, that kind of things that you know you can't do because because you're too tired then definitely you know you need to think about actually toning in the um the intensity and, and you know, maybe putting some more aerobic swimming in there so you get you get a bit more volume in without you know just just turning it into a smash fest each session yeah 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 i think the same that you touched on there that uh, as long as you're, if you're improving why why fix what's not broken uh that's that's the main thing and things seem to be working for you right now um yeah, I've, we discussed this quite a lot last time you were in Portugal as well. We uh, th- this was one of the topics that we we discussed, and uh, I definitely don't have the traditional triathlon swim training the, myself personally. And I found that it works really well to do less intensity and just keeping the volume relatively high, at least by by triathlon standards. And uh, for a non-professional, non-full-time triathlete, I have a high volume, getting in roughly eighteen kilometers or so per week. Uh, and only doing two hard workouts where most traditional programs would have uh, at least two like really hard workouts and then maybe a couple of mixed sessions uh, paulo here having at least one that is a mix between easy and hard i think when, when i was training with the squad what i found was that that easy swimming it ended up being as you said at least like moderate intensity we were always doing the easy swimming quote unquote easy on a send-off time there was uh, actually ended up becoming very challenging for me because i was getting slower not faster just because of the the amount of of intensity and uh, and still having a high volume actually even higher than i am now so so i actually reduced my swim training volume and intensity especially the intensity and started improving a lot and i'm still improving i've been improving my swimming really a whole lot this year and and i'm training more like a traditional uh, cycling or, or running based program and for me it works so so for me it's been a question of i think finding the in terms of intensity the the minimal effective dose and and not being too focused on doing training every single system at once which i think happens in in many triathlon programs you want to have your your threshold session your vo2 session and your tempo session and potentially even a bit of speed uh, depending on what your what distance you're training for and yeah i've taken a step back from that and, and just focusing on, on one or at most two systems so i might have a a tempo workout and a vo2 max workout and then the rest is just easy and when i say easy it means on a an rpe basis i'm not trying to hit any times i i don't have any send-off times i have a set recovery instead that i know will work and and i might even change that if uh, the goal of the session is to be an easy aerobic session and i feel that uh, I need a bit more recovery. So so that's what's been working for me really well. Of course, I was already at a, a decent level uh, as a swimmer. So I think when you are getting to becoming faster, then then these details start to matter a bit more. And, and may, when you are more of a beginner, then there are more different options that will work for you. So, so later on, it will be 
more important to do things right. And earlier on, just swimming, as as Paolo says, like just getting in the volume there, it no matter what it consists of, is going to help a lot. So, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts on 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 this because we've talked a bit about my training as well uh, together. So, so what 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 are your thoughts on this? And it definitely differs probably from from what you're doing, I think. Um, so, so essentially, you know, uh, going back to the, the traditional swim program where you know, like, like you laid out there, you got the very two session, a CSS session, a speed session, you know, a few a few sprints to you know really work on your technique uh, while you're going fast. Um, a mixed a mixed stroke session and, and like you say like a, a tempo a tempo session um so you look at that and you know the intensity is is pretty uh it's pretty high across that program you know i go back to actually you know if if swimming is is your priority then you know potentially the intensity is is a bit harder and you're putting you know more stress into into that sport than you are swimming and uh, in, you are running and cycling um so i go back to you know really merely really making the point of you know it's not isolated you know swimming is not completely isolated from from your running and from your cycling you're still using the same energy systems even if obviously the sports are, are very different um in terms of actually you know how you structure the week it depends on like you say uh whether you're a beginner or you know you've been doing it for for a large number of years so if you're a beginner to be honest just getting in the water and actually you know think thinking about your technique while whilst you swim um, is is going to make you faster? I think some people do get good at, and you know, this is where running and swimming is slightly different. Is people get good at technique swimming slow, especially if you're a beginner, and <laughs> never really get good at actually swimming hard with with good technique. So because because technique is is so important when you're swimming, it is important that you, know, you can hold the technique and you have the muscular endurance to actually to actually do do the technique while you're swimming fast. I've seen plenty of age groupers or you know relative beginners with, with really really nice technique when they're swimming two minutes per 100 per 100 meters <laughs> so you know then they're, they're nowhere near the front of a race and then as soon as you as soon as you put them you know over any dis any sort of you know distance or any sort of intensity you know, either breaks down because you know just the, the muscular endurance isn't there they haven't trained it or you know they haven't trained actually maintaining their technique while they swim fast so when swimming easy it's nice nice and it's beautiful um but when you swing fast when you really want to to have good technique you, you need to practice that um uh, which you know i think some people some people do miss out a bit um yeah there, there's this, this misnomer that uh, some people will say that well in swimming I, I only practice my technique because i don't have perfect technique or i have bad technique whether you have bad technique or not perfect technique it doesn't matter i think at any point you you should be doing some hard swimming and try to as you say learn how to improve your technique but also do it while you're you're putting a bit of pressure on yourself and, and doing it at a harder intensity because you're not going to just because i've heard like really strong cyclists and runners or bike runners say that yeah i already have very good aerobic fitness my biking and running shows it if i can just improve my swimming technique i'll be a really strong swimmer but that's uh, not at all the case and then they go out and do only technique training and not improving and uh, so that's that's another on on the other side of the spectrum that's that's another mistake so definitely not not something to uh, to recommend either i mean i always look at it as you know i think i can't remember which podcast guest it was but um one of your podcast guests a while ago was saying you know and, and this is something i completely relate to is you know when you're when you're doing when you're doing your technique and you are a complete beginner you know there's a point in the, at the start where you do focus on technique because there's no point in swimming along with absolutely awful technique, you know, uh, just wasting lots of energy, um, you know, not not getting the most out of the sessions. But then there comes a the point, you know, when you get down to that kind of 150 
per 100 meters, 145 per 100 meters. Well, actually, you know, you need to put that technique into practice. Um, so you need to actually, you know, swim, swim with some intensity while you, while, while you, you know, think about your technique as well. So the intensity and, you know, the overall volume of a program with that technique becomes, becomes a priority. And then when you come down to, you know, this is, this is very general. So, you know, you will work a bit on your technique while you're doing that. But when you come down to, you know, 115, 120, if you get down to that, that range again, then, then you make the, uh, you make the, the marginal gains to, I mean, the marginal changes to, to your swim technique. So that's when you, you know, revisit it and uh, actually think about, you know, so maybe, maybe I could catch a bit, a bit more efficiently with my left arm or you know, maybe I'm not catching enough water. Uh, you know, my hand is, is cupped, is not cut properly or something like that. Um, that that's my general approach no very general term so techniques at the start when you're a complete beginner then then actually get the volume in get get some uh get some swimming under your belt you know actually work on that technique get that technique embedded in and then you know once you get fast enough then you can revisit the technique and go okay where are where are those gains to be made yeah yeah that, that makes, makes total sense yeah absolutely uh to to get to to the actual question to make sure that we have it covered i guess from from my perspective i have uh, i think i talked about it on the podcast before as well i have sometimes calculated my intensity distributions uh, or block of training like eight weeks or so and what i see inevitably is that uh, swimming is definitely still the the discipline where i have uh, the most high intensity so i might have only 70% uh, low intensity compared to on the bike and run where I will have uh, 85 to 90% low intensity training. So, so, but that averages out to overall, I'm somewhere, somewhere close to 80% of low intensity. So, so I think uh, that is, uh, that, that is sort of what, what you're doing here, Paula, as well. Like you have uh, more intensity in your swim and it might be okay. Uh, just keep in mind that we're doing triathlon, we're doing swim, bike, run. So the overall, uh, structure of your program should uh, should be something that is manageable and and you're not doing too much intensity overall so so we're not isolating the sports we're not doing a an isolated swim program and an isolated run program and an isolated uh, bike program yeah i mean i was going to say if if you you know if if Paolo's, um you know asking this because you know he's turning up to maybe a run session or a bike session after this you know and consistently not being able to do it because the intensity is too high then or you know he's too tired, then then potentially you know the intensity in the swim program is too high, and you need to that to change that. But yeah, like you said, you know you got to look at it as as a balance of things. So you know, is it eight to twenty across all three sports? Um, but yeah, uh, for sure, I'd, I'd actually you know really think about is this is this impacting your other training, and are you not get, be able to get the most out of your other training? Uh, you need to, and you know if other training is priority, if swimming is a priority, and you know it is having a bit of a knock on effect. On the other sports, but you know you've you've analysed swimming as as a um, as a priority, then then keep with keep with swimming, keep 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 the intensity in. But, you know if if it's not you know, the absolute priority, and you also want to be you know working on your your cycling and running, and, and you know you really want to improve them as well. Maybe maybe they're the priorities. Then then potentially you know tone in the intensity. Uh, but yeah, when you look at the whole program, you know, it should be around you know the eighty twenty uh, uh, region. Yeah, yeah, and with with the caveat, of course, that there's no like magical numbers, but uh, but it's uh, it, it's something that that you can you can sort of compare and use as a reference and, and see what works for you. Uh, but uh, but what you say there about uh, how it impacts your, your cycling and running that is so true, and that's something that I experienced as well. It wasn't just that my swimming improved, even if I wouldn't have improved my swimming by changing my program, the improvements that I see in my in my running and my cycling because I. I'm just able to do my running and bike workouts so much better than I was before because I was just knackered after the, the swims. So that that would be completely worth it because it's been been really 
really good ju- just because I'm not really the swimming is, is no longer negatively impacting my my running and cycling so that's again for me personally and uh, your mileage may vary uh, I train at a fairly high volume so so for somebody training at a lower volume you may not have the same sort of issues that I ended up having with too much swim intensity that that I guess is something to take into consideration as well yeah and obviously, you know, like like you say, with a caveat, it's it's individualized to, to everyone. So everyone's everyone's an individual here and it's, you know, finding your own your own way. You know, a coach will help you do that, but you know, you are an individual and you know, everyone has their own strengths and weaknesses and you know, their own backgrounds. Um, so it it is is, you know, personalized really how, yeah. how this works. But but I think the what what would you say about as long as long as Paolo is improving, which he clearly is in swimming, if he also uh, as we talked about doesn't feel that it's negatively impacting his run and bike training, then even though uh, a traditional swim program is, isn't the 80-20 approach that, uh, that we hear about a lot, it's, it doesn't really make any sense to, to change things no. up because things are, things are working at the moment. So, so that's what you should be, uh, that, that's what your ultimate aim is. It's not to be training at a certain, in a certain way or doing anything a certain way. It's just to, to improve. And if you are doing that and it's not improving as a triathlete, not just as a swimmer. So, uh, so whether you're, depending on your priorities, yeah. you you have that balance, then then keep doing what you're doing. And if you if you are improving, then then you know as we said for the other question, why why fix something that, that isn't broken? I mean, for sure, there's there's going to be in the future, there's going to be you know people are going to come out and say this one program is better, you know this this way of doing it is better, and you know it might well be, but there's a reason you know this is a traditional approach and it's a traditional approach because. At least for for the majority of people, it works. Um, or you know, they've seen some improvement. If if people didn't see any improvement, this wouldn't be the traditional approach. And I'm not saying it's it's perfect. I'm just saying that you know, uh, just don't bash it so much. You know, it, you know, there's probably there's probably ways of making it better. And you know, I'm not saying that if there are, don't go and do them. I'm just saying you know, for 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 the majority of people, this 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 does work. Um, so so don't. So there's not really been you know, that emphasis on changing it, uh, you know. But potentially, potentially, there's better ways of doing it uh, than than the uh, than traditional approach that you you describe here. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, and one more thing that that I thought, just thought of, he Paolo is asking about whether you can do more hard swimming because of less stress on the on the musculoskeletal system, and and that is absolutely true. You don't have that uh, musculoskeletal load that you have in in running, especially. So so that's uh, definitely. Uh, one thing that allows you to do more hard swimming without risk of injury, but just just keep in mind that that it's not just about the musculoskeletal system; it's also about your uh, your nervous system uh, recovery and and your uh, sympathetic and parasympathetic re- response. So so uh, and hormonal balance, etc. All of these things that that are affected so at a more central level than than muscul- musculoskeletal level. So so that that would be the argument that that there is such a thing as to much intense swimming even though you could do it from a musculoskeletal perspective perfectly fine but you might not be able to do it from these other perspectives but again where that line is for you uh, right now you have not crossed that line because you then you wouldn't be improving yeah yeah for sure all right uh so thanks again for coming on james it was yep. uh, great uh, to to chat and uh, cover these questions with you yeah i hope uh, i hope i've interviewed some people out there <laughs> i hope it wasn't too much blabbering uh, on there but yeah um, i enjoyed it thanks michael thanks for inviting me 
Hope you enjoyed that Q&A with Coach James. We really enjoy making them together, so it will uh, hopefully be a more regular feature of these Q&A episodes, definitely. Please leave us feedback if you have some and uh, if there are ways that we can improve the Q&As and the, the flow of them so that you get the most out of your listening experience. This was quite a long one, of course. We went on for quite some time, which I guess is a natural consequence of uh, there being two people voicing their opinions over certain uh, certain questions. So uh, that might be something that, that just ends up happening. But uh, for that reason, let's just leave it at this for now and uh, stay subscribed to the show and you won't miss any shows coming out on every single Monday and Tuesday. So thank you for, for doing that. And if you have a moment, please leave a rating and review. That really helps us out. Big thanks finally to our sponsors, Precision Hydration, that you can find on precisionhydration.com. Take their free online sweat test and get your first box or, or tube of Precision Hydration electrolyte for free with the promo code DATTRIATHLONSHOW, all on word, all caps. And thank you to Roka that you can find on roka.com. Uh, they are the world leaders in tri suits, wetsuits, uh, apparel, and high performance eyewear. Go check them out and take 20% off your entire order with the promo code TTS, all caps. Thank you, as always, for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving triathlon. <laughs>